We are opening up the Locked On 49ers mailbag today, talking NFL draft, the one Brandon Ayuk trade that actually might make sense for the San Francisco 49ers and learning from past mistakes. All that and more coming up on today's Locked On 49ers. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. David in the live stream says, never make it to the live shows, but always listen. Best sports podcast, hands down. Love it. Appreciate yeah. you, Dustin. <laughs> we were talking about our listeners in Oklahoma and Brazil last time out. So people are showing up from Guam and Pompeii and um, Pompeii. I don't even, I don't even know where that is. I, I don't either. If I had to get sound like something like near Thailand or something, but I, I have no idea. <laughs> Let's get in the mailbag here a little bit and feel free, folks, in the the live chat to drop your questions in. We're we're going to try to focus on the NFL draft here. Uh, we've been asked what mistakes we made and what we learned from them, and uh, also in the YouTube comments asked about the Brandon Ayuk trade and if we could elaborate on something I said last time about. You know, a trade that could make sense. Like, first of all, let's start here with Brandon Ike. I don't think Brandon Ike's going to get traded. He does not have to get traded. We went through all the the salary cap stuff, how the 49ers can work this out with Debo and Brandon Ike. You can keep this going long term. But if the 49ers think that at some point they're not going to be able to re-sign Brandon Ayuk or that he might want out to be you know, more targeted somewhere else and not be behind some other players uh, on the 49ers' depth chart, especially with the way the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan runs his offense and, and not being a high volume in the passing game when you've already got Debo and, and George Kittle and obviously the run game that the 49ers have, then you have to at least listen to offers if you're the 49ers. And I talked about how I'm turning down late first-round picks because I think there's only a certain group of players who uh, are legitimate, like, you know, the, the elite of this class. And I think there's about 15 of those guys. And so I, I picked pick number 15. Just so happens the pick number 15, Croc, is where the, the Green Bay Packers select in this draft. The Green Bay Packers were noted as the as a team, one of the teams, maybe the team that the 49ers needed to go up in front of in the 2020 draft to get Brandon Ayuk because the Green Bay Packers were about to take him. And instead, they ended up with Jordan Love. And Jordan Love needs receivers. If you're going to get rid of your Hall of Fame quarterback, as it looks like the Green Bay Packers are, you need to load up on talent for that young quarterback to help him play up. So that's the thought process of potentially, specifically the Green Bay Packers and Brandon Ayuk. And maybe that would match up in a trade and you would have to really consider the 15th pick in the draft and, and consider that trade of Brandon Ayuk knowing the roster crunch you might potentially have going forward. And croc this past weekend, we got together and, and did the locked on network mock draft, which is always a huge extravaganza. I'm always a big part of it with Matt Williamson. And, and we do a lot of the, uh, the breakdowns and, and basically hosting the whole thing and all the hosts make their picks for their favorite teams. And there's a lot of trade talks going on in this. And it was really fun to get all the hosts together in a live chat and, and uh, 49ers didn't have any picks, but I was trying to talk trade just to be involved with it in a little bit more, you know, and, and, and getting some of my, uh, uh, you know, some of my thoughts in about some of the picks that were happening, but, when 15 was on the clock and, and Peter Bukowski, the host of Locked On Packers, was, was, uh, was trying to sell the pick. It was talking trades. And, and I asked him about Brandon Ayuk. And 
he said that they would be interested. He said that is a, a trade that makes a lot of sense to him from the Packers to give up pick 15 for Brandon Ayuk because this draft class, because the way this, and I don't want to spoil the whole mock, but Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, is highly thought of in, in our locked on circles. And, and he is the top receiver uh, in this class. And he was already off the board when Bukowski was going to make his pick at 15. And in the end, we did not swing a deal like that, but from a 49ers perspective, that's when you have to start listening. When you start talking about a top 15 pick for Brandon Ayuk. And I don't think it's unrealistic that the Green Bay Packers could potentially be interested in offering the 15th pick. And Croc, at that point, do you do you think it's, it's time to listen for the 49ers? 100%. You have to listen. And one thing that we know about the 49ers, they will listen. Right now, that doesn't mean they'll pull the trigger. But they're going to do their due diligence. And we've been hearing you know, John Lewis say that since uh, this regime got on board. I think for the Packers, trying to figure out if it makes sense for them, right? They just drafted Christian Watson in the second round. Uh, what do you have? Nine, ten touchdowns? Uh, and most of them, like the second half of the season, when he started to come on strong, I thought, you know, Christian Watson, he was my t wide receiver, too, in that class. And super productive kid uh, figuring it out. They also have uh, Dobbs, Romeo Dobbs, the kid out of Nevada. Uh, so he's a guy that I think early on it looked like he was getting it maybe a little bit faster than Christian Watson, and then Watson caught up and maybe surpassed him. Dobbs dealt with some injuries and whatnot. But how much do they like the combination of those two guys to throw in a first-round pick and a guy that you potentially have to pay a lot of money to with uh, uh, um, uh, Brandon Ayuk? So you know that that's where I try to figure out if it makes sense for them. Do they just want, right now, you know what, Brandon Ayuk, he'll be a 13 or 1,200-yard receiver in our offense. And Christian Watson, he'll be a 1,000-yard receiver in their offense. Romeo Dubs, he can have wherever else. And you just have three good receivers to go with Jordan Love. If that's what they're thinking, then I get it. In the chat, 187 says, what about the Giants? They need a wide receiver one. And they do. And I, I would be shocked if the Giants wouldn't be completely willing to sell their pick number 25 in the first round to the 49ers. But to that, I say no. And that's kind of where I'm at with this draft class because I think late round one picks, I think they're, they're valuable. But I think in this class, you're getting probably a second round caliber player at that pick 25. And that's just not enough for Brandon Ayuk for me. So that's why I used fifth, pick 15 as the cutoff. And it just happens to be that the Packers are that uh, are that team there now now hold on because i think we're looking at it like all right if you trade away brandon i you, you have to fill that spot in the first round and i don't think so now i think okay you move him in the first round but hey is there an, a, a tackle that you potentially really like right a, yeah. a right tackle because we're talking about the you know the tackle position right tackle i mean unless you just feel really comfortable rolling out there with colt mckivitz but that's a spot where it's like, uh, you, you want to get somebody that you feel like is the long-term answer. And if you have a, a top 25 pick, and let's say it's straight up Brandon Ayuk for the number 25 overall pick. Well, the 49ers have 11 draft picks in, in, in this draft. Like, they're not going to utilize all those. So, could you package some of those and actually move up to about pick 18 or so and really go out there and get a, a more solidified offensive tackle in this class, and and I think that would be the more ideal situation as opposed to uh, going out and trying to replace Brandon Ayuk one for one with a receiver. You know, and and that's part of this, Croc. That that's the other half of this trade scenario. Why I think this is the one trade that does make sense for the 49ers if you were to get an offer of something like pick fifteen, because uh, as Dustin says here in the chat, who would the Niners get at fifteen if that trade happened? And to me, there's a player that makes 
perfect sense that's usually going in that range in mock drafts and it's not a wide receiver it's an offensive tackle you're not you're not trading Brandon Ayuk to get another wide receiver in that spot. That, that, that's not what you're doing here. You're doing this to get an offensive tackle that could be a starter right away for you at right tackle and then potentially be the blindside protector long-term for you when Trent Williams decides to hang it up and he's gone. And that player to me is Broderick Jones out of Georgia. Georgia, yeah. Uh, he, he is a supremely athletic uh, prototype, height, weight, speed, offensive tackle arm length he's everything you could want a little bit raw which is why he's not a top five top 10 pick and he's probably a top 15 pick although who knows he's, he's you know the offensive tackles go high it's a premium position in the nfl some of these offensive linemen and it happens a lot in the nfl draft where the offensive linemen are the ones that go higher than people expect because they're not the sexy positions but everybody needs one but to me it would have to be a trade that happens on the clock and someone like broderick jones maybe paris um paris johnson out of paris ohio johnson state out of ohio state right someone who could who has that prototype ability and length to be not only a good run blocker, not only fit the 49ers blocking scheme, but be a really good pass blocker long-term at left tackle. They could start his career off at right tackle for the 49ers. Or guard. I mean, now 49ers might not need a guard because you have right. Banks, you have Burford, but I mean, he plays a lot of guard at Ohio State as well. So he yeah. has like the experience of playing inside, you know, while he was inside, he was this longer guy. And it's like, oh, no, that's offensive tackle. Right. Yeah, uh, like and then he played a lot of tackle. And they have another uh, tackle as well that played at the right tackle spot for Ohio State, who's highly thought of. So uh, I think there will be some guys, you know, again, maybe not top five overall pick caliber offensive tackles, but when you start talking about the second half of the first round, there'll be some guys that if I'm the 49ers and I am able to swing a Brandon Ayuk in this hypothetical situation, those are guys I'd be strongly interested in. And then you could go back to wide receiver in the draft after that with one of those third round picks. Jonathan Mingo would probably be part of my plan right here. He's one of my favorites. Croc, you haven't watched him yet, have you? you I have not. Jonathan Mingo, wide receiver from Ole Miss. He's one of my favorites in that third round range. I think it would fit Shanahan. He'll block you. You know, he's a he's a big, strong uh, wide receiver. Um, you know, maybe you go to the veteran market. Now OBJ's off the market. That was kind of one of the things I was kicking around in my head this weekend, thinking about this question. And lo and behold, Sunday, Odell Beckham signs with the the Ravens and the 49ers. You know, he kind of priced out of where the 49ers most likely would have been if in a scenario like that. But um, that would be the, the, the immediate way to help you out at wide receiver while you trade away someone like Brandon Ayuk to get a starter in there. And, and so, you know, more difficult now that Odell Beckham's not out there to, to make this happen, but you would have to have a trade that not only makes you better in the future, but makes you better right now. And would it, would someone like Broderick Jones for Brandon Ayuk was, would, would, which would end up being the, the pick swap there. Um, you get a cheap young, ultra talented offensive tackle who plays the right side now makes you better now and makes you better in the future because he's a future blindside protector for whoever your quarterback is in the next few years. And who knows what we're going to go through the next few off seasons at quarterback to figure that out. But to me, it's the one brand I trade that does make sense when I've said all along, I don't think he's going to get traded. And, and in the end, I think nobody, I don't think they're going to get that trade offer and have to make that decision. Anyway, I've seen a lot more weird things happen because again, I go back to 2018 and if you would have said, hey, man, 49ers are going to move off of Trent Brown, I'd be like, oh, yeah, right. Then they draft McGlinchey, and I'm like, what the heck they were driving McGlinchey for? You, you got Trent Brown. Like, is Trent Brown going to be traded? Then he's traded, right? And Trent Brown, people forget this part, but he was a terrific pass protector. He was not great in the movement things in the run game. And clearly, 49ers value that, maybe even more than protecting the passer. So uh, that was something interesting that I would have never thought would happen heading into the draft, but... Uh, we have seen some them, them do some things. I mean, DeForest Buckner, just when he was traded, 
would have never thought Defoe would get moved. And I remember that morning, I believe it was, someone said, hey, man, there's somebody on the, on the 49ers, kind of a big-time player being traded. And Buckner was not a name that popped up in my head at all. I probably went through 10 other guys before I got to DeForest Buckner. And, and then it was ultimately him. So uh, trading away Brandon now, you, it seems like, ah, oh, nah, like they really like him. But, man, they, they kind of cutthroat when it comes to these business decisions. Next, what mistakes have we made, Croc? And what did we learn from those mistakes as it pertains to the NFL draft and more of your 49ers NFL draft questions next. Today's episode of Locked On 49ers is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you ever needed a little help in your life? Maybe you've, uh, you, you've had a big event or maybe you're just having trouble hitting those those points every week that you need to in your life and getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because uh, you're always growing and you're always changing as a human being. Therapy is uh, about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk through things. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist at any time for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on. All right, Croc, we were asked on Twitter uh, uh, to, to sort of evaluate ourselves a little bit. And I think self-scouting is a big part of uh, any evaluator's process, right? Whether it's an NFL team or whether it's us, us talking about the draft every year, talking about this football team every day here on Locked On 49ers. Coach T says, got a question for at BD Peacock, at Eric underscore Crocker. Who is the player that you thought would make it in the NFL but turned out uh, that you would not make it in the NFL but turned out to be really good? Was there something you missed on tape? Do teams self-assess why they miss on guys, good or bad? Croc, who's your miss? All right. So I it's not a complete whiff, but this guy has blown away the expectations I have for him. I think for a lot of people, it's probably clearly obvious that he'd be a special talent. I had some concerns. Maybe I overvalued those concerns, but I got to go with Jamar Chase. Right, like when I watched Jamar Chase in college, it was clear you see all the special things and his ability to uh, make the contested catches down the field, and he was a big play waiting to happen. And it was a really weird uh, eval for me because I felt like the same way he won, he lost that way as well. He wanted to play a lot of bully ball. Guys were really getting their hands on him at the line of scrimmage. I mean, like just beating him up at the line, and then sometimes he'd fight through it. And it's like, well, how consistent can that be at the next level? You know, he's going against Jalen Ramsey. Is he going to just be able to be more physical than Jalen Ramsey every single play? So those are things that I just thought, you know, he was my wide receiver too. I had him behind Devontae Smith, who Devontae Smith's been really good as well. But, uh, you know, it's like generational, like, okay, all that. And then he goes out and he's on a tear, right? And he's probably everything and more than maybe even some people thought he would be. So I think for me, looking back on the evaluation of him, who I did like, but not to the extent maybe of others, uh, just... Maybe just really chalking it up to, look how a guy wins. How does that translate to the next level? And sometimes can guys be even more of the exception because he hey, has special uh, traits, which he ran in the four threes. I know it was a weird year. I think COVID offseason. So they 
uh, were timing different and everybody was kind of fast, but he showed that breakaway speed. He showed the run after catch ability and he always had the uh, ability to catch the ball down the field. I do think one thing really helped. I think having Joe Burrow, a guy who played with in college, helped because Joe Burrow really trusted him in college and he'd throw the ball downfield and he'd catch the ball over a DB, super contested, but then the next time down the field, they'll throw it and it might get picked off. And I think Joe Burrow was a guy who was not going to be, you know, oh man, like I'm, I'm going to go away from him because it's too hard to complete those passes to him. He still airs it out. And I think we've seen that from the start of his career in the NFL, his ability to continue to do that. So I'd say if there's a guy that I kind of really misevaluated, I don't know if I was necessarily wrong on the eval, but I underestimated or overestimated how much something might be an issue. Yeah, no, that's important is d- d- you 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 know you can write out strengths and weaknesses for any prospect but you also have to realize do these weaknesses even matter or or does the strength he has even matter and sometimes you overvalue some some strengths you know like um you know like flat out speed oh this guy's got four three speed he must be a great deep ball receiver it's like no there's other things that go into being good at this than than this one thing and then uh on on the other side of it yeah there's there's times when you see a weakness in a guy's game but does it really matter if they consistently win with the other stuff that they do and you had me convinced of, about jamar chase as well croc in 2021 i was i was Devonte smith guy we had talked about Devonte smith from the year before during the iu draft and the the jerry judy stuff is like this other guy to alabama is even better than rugs and judy yeah in Devonte smith and i think he is in the nfl um but yeah and I think wide receivers are, are one of the more difficult positions to evaluate too, I think. And I, I kind of missed, I didn't really miss on Ayuk in a way that I thought he was going to be bad. I just didn't think he's going to be worth the trade up. I had him as like the 30th player. The Niners were picking at 31 that year. I was like, ah, you know, pick him there. Don't, you don't need to trade up for him. Uh, Cause then there's, you know, there's other guys that you could have had. You could T have T Higgins, people. Michael Pittman, guys Michael are a thousand yard receivers yeah. as well. Yeah. But it turns out he's a lot better than Michael Pittman. Uh, T Higgins is, is on par with him and, and T Higgins is a really good player too. But um, you know, it, that trade up uh, Pittman, Pittman. I, oh, I'm, I, I'm not saying that he's, he's better than IU, but he's, he's Pittman has been pretty damn good. He's okay. He, he's not bad, but I think every team in the league and everyone listens to podcasts would take IU over Michael Pittman. Uh, Pittman has I mean I look at his situation Croc liked Pittman a lot he can't quit him I I, I had him Brian Edwards I I liked him a lot too oh another one yeah see wide wide receivers are hard Judy I thought Judy was was wide receiver one in 2020 and Justin Jefferson turned out to be much better Iuke's been much better I I think Judy's still good but there's those things you see and it's like man uh Judy's scout report has come to life in the NFL and it's the correct, but like you mentioned, Croc, where some things don't matter on a weakness, this weakness for Judy matters a lot. And it's that catching in traffic and, and being tough at the catch point, winning dirty. And uh, he, he's got the quicks. He gets open, uh, but but his catch rate is just not good enough. And he's dropping too many balls, and he hears footsteps, I think. And uh, and that, that can be a death knell, I think, for, for some wide receivers. And we'll see what it looks like with Sean Payton. But I think wide receivers might be one of the most difficult positions to evaluate in the NFL. And so many so many factors. What team you end up on? What offense? Do you get a really good quarterback that trusts you like Joe Burrow? If Jamar Chase goes somewhere else, is he as good right away? Maybe not. Right. Well, you talked about the guy, and we talked about Jamar Chase, right? And uh, maybe – I oh, mean, he was even better than I thought he might be. But when you look at other guys who were not good, and I'm like, man, I really like this guy. Two guys come to mind in the same class as Debo Samuel. I really like Debo Samuel. I love Debo Samuel. I had to fight in my in my mind with putting him as wide receiver one 
uh, because I, I like DK Metcalf as well. And to me, Metcalf, who a lot of other people kind of misevaluated because they're looking at the wrong things when it came to him. Like, dude, dude, he's 6'4", 230 pounds, and he's really quick. He just didn't have great change of direction. But people uh, equated poor change of direction with poor quickness, which was not necessarily the case with him. He was very powerful and quick at the line of scrimmage, and then he had the ability to run away from guys. And I felt like he didn't have to run a whole lot of routes. So I thought people overvalued that part when it came to uh, him as a prospect, and we saw how that came, uh, turned out. But I had him at one. I had Debo and A.J. Brown at two and three. Now the next two guys, so we started talking about where, where you could kind of miss. And I, I didn't miss on like Nikhil Harry. I didn't think he would be that great. He's not. And I thought Jamar Chase was kind of in that realm with him, but faster. And we see it's worked out a lot for Jamar Chase. But in the sense There's of their abilities, speed. in the sense of their, like, how they win, right? Yeah. There's a lot of similarities with DK and Jamar Chase, what you're talking about, right? Like, people knocking him for similar reasons and then realizing that's not that important because he wins this other way so well. Right. This other stuff doesn't matter. You're not going to line him up in the slot and run whip routes anyway. So why does that matter? He's not a double-move guy. He's like... I'm going to body up. I got a slant. I'm going to blow right through the gate because you're not going to stop me because I'm 6'4 and 4'3 and you got to worry about my top end speed and I've got ball skills and I can track the football deep right. too. So so, so two guys that I had at wide receiver four and five in that class who just, I mean, where are they? Hey, I know Hakeem who one Butler. of them is. He's coming back. Battle Hawks legend in the XFL right now, Hakeem Butler. He's got six touchdowns. He's coming back to the NFL. He's making a comeback, Croc. We're going to be right about Hakeem Butler after all. You just went. <laughs> but Hakeem Butler and um, Riley Ridley. Like, those were the two guys. And, and Riley Ridley, you watch his film, he did a lot of things. I mean, very fluid, top of the routes, catch the ball. Like, all those things look really good. Uh, his testing was terrible. I mean, it was very poor. And... It's like, well, dang, how much does the testing, as you know, as it you know, translate to the next level with certain things? I mean, his vertical jump was like 31 inches. Didn't run a good 40-yard dash time. Like, the change of direction, like, everything wasn't good. But then it's like, dang, you watch him on film. And it's like, nah, I don't, the film looks fine. <laughs> and it turned out, for whatever reason, just not good in the NFL. Maybe, you know, who his quarterbacks were. Maybe it was the offense. I don't know. Maybe it's because he was wearing number 88. I don't know what it was, but it, it didn't work. And I don't even know where Ridley is right now. But between him and, and, and Hakeem Butler, and Butler was more hit and miss, which I knew at the time. But again, he had all the traits. I mean, you talk about being six foot six, whatever he was, 220 pounds, ran in the four fours. Uh, it's a guy that could run. I thought he was able to sink his hips for somebody as tall as he was. And he had a lot of good traits. And it just, for whatever reason, didn't work out. And then they're like, oh, no, he's a tight end. Then, oh, no, oh, now he's a battle hawk or whatever, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll throw one more name out there, and it's a recent 49ers draft pick that was a super head-scratcher to me, and that was Aaron Banks. And I didn't see it on tape. I didn't see the fit in the offense. I was like, what is this draft pick? He didn't play as a rookie. I was like, well, that was a wasted draft pick. Second-round pick, a top-50 pick. That was super weird. And then he comes into year two, starts every game, and was one of the 49ers' most consistent offensive linemen at left guard in his second year. Changed his body a little bit. So, you know, the, I think our, our evaluation, and we both agreed, and a lot of times we do agree, and we watch guys separately, and then we'll talk about it on the podcast, and, you know, we see a lot of the same things. Um, he, he became a different player, and that's the one thing that's the most difficult about all of this is who the human being is, who he is from the neck up, how smart are they, how tough are they, how hard are they going to work to get better, and I think that's where – the 49ers really liked 
Aaron Banks. That's something that we can't really even know about because we don't get to know the person when we're scouting just the film and you, you don't have the reports from school and you don't get to meet the person and know that what you can expect from them from a character standpoint in a lot of times. So um, Aaron Banks came back and, and did what he needed to do to be an NFL player. And now he's a starting caliber guard where it looked like it was going to be a wasted draft pick. Yeah, being able to deal with adversity. I mean, I, that's a huge part of it because you can really tank it, especially once you get in that NFL. Here's the thing, right? The, the realism of the NFL. You've been playing this game all your life, and you played in college, and, and maybe you were a high draft, uh, highly recruited guy. So you get to college, and you're kind of the man, and you're able to dominate at a certain level, and then you get to the NFL. And one thing, there will be like some roster politics, but at the end of the day, these are all NFL guys. And the difference between a starter and a backup, more times than not, is very, very, very slim. And when you are a backup, but you're a guy that's used to being the guy and starting to understand that, hey, this is not college and this is truly a business. And that part can kind of weigh, weigh on guys and then they lose like that, that thing that made football so fun to them. I was like, man, this is not, it's not fun. It's not fun being a scout team guy every day and looking at this guy, and I feel like I could play better than him. But then, uh, you know, and then you deal with that, and how much do you embrace the process uh, of that? And, and I've seen it with a lot of guys. So with Aaron Banks, you know, when we watched his film, and we're like, what the hell are they talking about? This is, he's like the complete opposite of everything that they're saying he is. And him not playing at all his rookie year, the only person to take less snaps from um, that was drafted in that second round than Aaron Banks was Kyle Trask, who was like the fourth string quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So it was like, this dude was not playing. And it wasn't normal for a guy to not play that was drafted that high, especially at a guard position where when you're drafted second round as a guard, that might as well be a top 15 type pick the way they view it. Like they're, you're a guy that they want to come in and play right now. And it wasn't happening. Why wasn't it happening? Because he clearly wasn't a fit. I don't want to hear about, well, they're drafting to play left guard and they had Lakin Tomlinson and, you know, no. If he can play, they're not going to play Daniel Brunskill over him. They want him to play over Brunskill. Clearly, you see what they did with Spencer Burford. They wanted Burford to play over Brunskill. They wanted Aaron Banks to play over him. And he just couldn't do it because of where he was at in his development. But kudos to him with not getting down on himself, really taking to the coaching, really understanding what they were asking of him to become a better version of himself and he did a tremendous job of that and probably should have won you know all kind of awards for resiliency because he did a terrific job coming back a guy that a lot of people were really worried about and really had very low expectations for heading into the 2022 season all right a couple more questions here we'll finish up this episode of locked on 49ers Today's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Grand slams, no hitters, double plays are back, and there's no better place to get in on the Major League Baseball action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. I'm not going to talk about Aaron, Rudge, uh, Aaron Judge home 
home runs that are that I'm prompted to right now. It's a sore subject for for Giants fans with no Aaron Judge, but they're actually hitting right now. Okay, and hitting some bombs, which is a little bit surprising. Get so some go, pitching though. Go bet on those uh, those Giants while you still can before they get to those 107 wins again. It's gonna be one of those magical seasons. I don't know, but uh, it's fun all summer long, every day betting on Major League Baseball. So don't miss your chance to get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up FanDuel official partner of Major League Baseball a real quick note on on missing in the draft and this is probably the biggest miss any teams have is because someone doesn't love football enough and RDC brought that up and uh, I think of a guy like Doriel Green Beckham I was like oh dude this guy's amazing he's gonna be the next great wide receiver the next Randy Moss he's 6'5 4-4 speed jump balls all day he was like a dunk a dunker on the basketball team right like he was just Super athlete, I thought this guy's gonna be awesome. Uh, but he's a knucklehead, didn't really care, was, you know, screwing around doing drugs and what whatnot, and instead of uh, you know, trying to get better as a football player. Steve Kime, former Arizona Cardinals GM this week, was talking about Robert Kimdiche, who everyone thought was he was the number one recruit in the country when he went into college. And everyone thought he was a top 10 talent, top five talent in the NFL draft, fell to the end of the first round because of character concerns. They drafted him. And he didn't love football, didn't care to work on it, and, and never became a really good NFL player and, and washed out of the league pretty quickly. So that, that's the number one thing, and it's probably the hardest thing to know, especially from where we sit. It, it is very difficult. The, the level of preparation that it takes to be consistently good at the NFL level, and that's why sometimes you see guys come in and they might have a good year, and but then they kind of fall off because, like, do they just love the process and do they just have that drive to be, like, the best, you know, year in and year out? And there are certain players that people don't necessarily care for or the way that they care themselves. Let's say like a uh, uh, Jalen Ramsey, right? And there are a lot of people that, oh, man, but Jalen Ramsey has been good for a lot of years because he prepares at a very high level every year. That preparation does not fall off, all right? Uh, A lot of guys that I got to witness, you see how they prepare, and it's not quite there. You know, and there were guys that I was – I mean, next to in the locker room, and I'm just looking like, man, how are you this big, this freakishly athletic, but they're so consistent. It's because they've won a certain way their whole life, and then that's just it. Okay, I'm here at the NFL level. I was a first-round pick. I don't have to go above and beyond in my preparation. I can just go out there and win. And, and, and you see the flashes because they are so freakishly naturally gifted. But you don't see the consistency there. And then they just kind of get washed out of the NFL. And then the field teams to keep thinking, oh, let, well, let's give them another chance. And maybe we could get something out of them. More times than not, you just can't. So, yeah, the mental part of it is is huge. Because there's going to be a lot of days where you're just tired or don't care about what's going on. And you still have to figure out a way to be the best version of yourself. Prepare a certain way. And if you don't, you're not going to get the results you're looking for. And the team clearly won't. Yeah, and, and that's why you really truly do have to love it because that's the thing you want. And most guys don't love it. Yeah. Real, real quick, there are a lot of guys. Everybody that's in this chat right now, we have over 100 people. Shout out to you on the chat. Everybody in the chat listening, they love football. There are a lot of guys that don't love it that way. They really view it as an occupation. And some people don't even view it as so much as an occupation. It's just something that they've been good at their whole lives. So it's like, oh, okay, I get to the NFL. And you see guys just retire randomly right it's like they really don't love it like that they just been good their whole life and then when when you get to a certain level where everybody's good it's like uh, it's not fun having to prepare a certain way and i don't really love it like that 
yeah, once you can't just run around, and, and that's one of the red flags for for players in the transition from college to the NFL is when the only way you win is just because you out athlete guys. And remember, we, we always talked about the Peter Work thing where he's like double back and doubling back around and, and going horizontal on all his yeah. punt returns in college and eventually makes his way through. It's like you can't do that in the NFL. You got to get upfield and you can't. Uh, do you remember Noel Devine? Yeah, the, he like uh, YouTube sensation and like early days of YouTube sensation. This running back is like five, six, 160 pounds or something. Uh, I think he was a college or a high school player in Florida. He had all these ridiculous, you know, video game joystick runs. And everyone thought, oh man, no, Devine's gonna be the next great college running back and NFL running back. And I don't think he even was a starter at college. I think he was like a backup at West Virginia or something. And just because you just the, the, the higher you go, every level you go higher and higher, you're less athletic versus your peers. And when you get to the NFL, everyone's a freak, and you just don't straight up out athletes, out out athlete guys every week. And you might there might be some freaks that still can get away with some things, but you've got to be able to win dirty in the NFL. The NFL, it, it was a rude awakening for me just going to, to like just during OTAs. I remember showing up OTAs and up until that point, I was not a freakish athlete. I kind of downplayed how athletic I was. I was actually a good athlete in comparison to like normal people. But by NFL standards, I wasn't a great athlete. And nothing put that in perspective more than this South Florida edge rusher. And I used to be able to kind of like, like will myself to do certain things and beat people in certain things. And I couldn't will myself to beat him in these drills these it was like speed and agility drills like and i'm trying hard in this 6'5 255 pound edge rusher i i could not beat him in anything and that's when i was like man it's a different it's a different beast uh, up here it's just different so when you talk about that athletic gap man you know college out again wasn't the most freaky but i was like man i could will myself to win battles and things or even in the arena league you're like okay i wasn't the great but like yeah i'm, I'm good i'm good NFL is like, dang, this is edge rusher. I can't beat him. And I'm trying hard. I don't even know if he's trying hard. I don't even know if he knows I'm trying hard. But I couldn't get him. That's tough. That is that is tough. Um, I, I want to go to RDC real quick. And he says, does the lack of top-end receivers in this draft push Ayuk's price up? And I think it absolutely does. Because if you're a team picking in the middle of the first round, you can't even draft a receiver and, and reasonably think that that player is going to end up being better than Brandon Ayuk. So uh, I, I think that's, a, that's another component of it if the 49ers are listening to offers on Brandon Ayuk and, and maybe a team could potentially blow them out of out of the water but it would take a lot uh, uh, I, I, I hear that right but I think when we say this is not a strong class going back to that draft I think it was very like top heavy right when you look at um I had Justin Jefferson high higher than I think a lot of people but between you know Jerry Judy CeeDee Lamb uh, Justin Jefferson, and then the, there were kind of the other guys that started to filter in, like the Higgins and the Pittmans and Rugs and and, and and the Rugs. I wasn't as high on Rugs as other people, but you can see like some depth there and whatnot. But when you start to get to guys like Ayuk and kind of how you view view him now, he was not quite viewed that like like that, right? Like you knew, like okay, talented receiver. And I remember watching him and saying, man, you know, he'd do some cool things, catch a slant route, like jump over somebody, right? Like you'd see him do some things like, man, there's a lot, there's a lot to this guy. And you could see kind of how he won a certain way. But I, I think he would have, if, if he were in this class, where would he be? And I don't, I, I think he would still be kind of that seventh or eighth receiver kind of off the board still. 
I, 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 I disagree. He'd be seven or eight because this class doesn't have the Judys and the Rugs and the CD Lambs to be ahead of him. I think he might end up being. I mean, his scouting report would be the same. You know, he'd be a late first round guy. But I think that makes him wide receiver three in this class instead of wide receiver seven. You know, so you got mean? okay. So you, I know you like Jackson Smith, Smith and Jimmy, and I think that's really the only one. As Quentin I, I, Johnston, as big on Quentin Johnston, I think he's a good prospect. But I think, I, I think teams would, I, I th- and especially seeing him now because that's part of it too. Is, oh, he's made good. We've seen him in the NFL. We already know how good he is. This other guy is a coin flip. We know how good Brandon Ayuk is. And he already knows our West Coast. You know our. Shanahan tree terminology if you're the Packers and it's like boom plug him in and Jackson Smith and Jigba is not on the board anymore because he already got drafted anyway uh, uh, yeah and there was guys that went ahead of him I mean uh the kid out of is it TCU went to, went to the uh the, the 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 Eagles drafted him over the Vikings oh yeah uh shoot and, and the funny thing is the the Eagles receiver coach right at that time sent me film and now that, that receiver coach is on the 49ers staff. But he, he didn't send me film. He hit me. He said, hey, Croc, what do you think about these two receivers? Watch them. Give me your scouting report. The two receivers, uh, Rager. So that's the receiver I'm talking about, Rager. And Justin Jefferson, right? So I don't know if, if internally, and he had no say-so, and he's just a receiver coach. But I don't know if they were like, hey, we're, gonna, we're looking to draft Rager or Justin Jefferson. So he hits me and he's like, Croc, what do you think? So I watch both guys in depth. I'm like, this is my opportunity. I watch both guys. I have tons of notes on them. And I said, ultimately, if I'm the Vikings, or not, excuse me, uh, Eagles, he was on the Eagles receiver coach. If I'm the Eagles receiver coach or Eagles, I take Justin Jefferson. I told him, I I take Justin Jefferson. It's not not even a, a question. Just watching them break down like my notes, the pros, the cons. It's like, hey, you take Jefferson. And they take they took Jalen Rager. And they're they're probably still kicking themselves over that. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was like the pick before that, too. I think didn't they go back? Yeah, to yeah, back? yeah. It was like they went back to back. Yeah. Question here from Niner Gaming. He says, Jason, put Jason Poe at fullback and kick him out to be a sixth offensive lineman. What do you think, Croc? Jason Poe's season this year? I want to see him at fullback. I want to see him at guard. I want to see him on the football field for the 49ers. I love me some Jason Poe. I want to see him taking snaps at center as well. He was pretty much, I think, only playing guard uh, last year for the 49ers. And uh, I'm excited for Poe year two. I'm excited for a lot of 49ers year two. There's going to be some big year two breakouts. I, I bet just because of how he's built, he could be a legit fullback. And he'd be a bigger guy, kind of like the, the 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 guy out of that plays for Baltimore, who's like a three hundred yeah. pound fullback. R- uh, Ricard, yeah, yeah. It's like why can't Poe be that? And you don't even got to be three hundred pounds. I bet he could slim down, and be like two seventy, and you wouldn't notice that much of a difference in the sense of his size. But he's still, I mean, really light, nimble on his feet. We watched it, like yeah. he put a, a video out of he's him running routes. Too. I mean, he was, I mean, soft hands, nimble, light on his feet. And to be able to use a guy like that who clearly knows how to block, understands leverage, still, you know, I think he was a little stiff at the knees, but, you know, he can block, he can get out, but he can also catch passes for you. And I don't know if he's running away from anybody, but he showed some high-level ability that, to be able to play, like, a fullback position and kind of be a hybrid of a guy who is fullback, you line him up, you know, uh, you, you motion him, you can do some things with him, he can, he can block, he can catch the ball a little bit, you can sneak him out. Uh, I mean, it, it would make a lot of sense to kind of 
just trying to see, hey, Poe, what, what, what do you look like? You know, you got to change his number a little bit, but I think that would give them more, you know, flexibility with how number you zero. utilize them. Jason Poe, number zero. Oh. There we go. We found our number zero. <laughs> he might be a little too wide for number uh, zero. I, I say just keep him 300 pounds and, and let him be an offensive lineman still, but then put him in the backfield. He doesn't well, you, you can – I'd say I think I think it's more beneficial to have him at fullback because you, you can always use him as a sixth offensive lineman or seventh offensive lineman, no matter his number. But right, when right. you are when you are when you have an offensive lineman number, and then you have to report a certain way and things like that. So yeah. Last one here. This one from Todd says, and thanks everybody for jumping in the live chat and all the questions. With more comp picks coming next year, any chance the Niners use those comp picks to trade up for an impact player? this year yeah because they lost D'Amico Ryan so they for sure got a third coming yeah they're definitely gonna have a third next year and I, I I think that they absolutely should be uh moving up with the with their with their picks if the right player is there and uh utilizing all those extra draft picks they have because they have so many picks and they don't have a ton of needs and you know the needs they have if you're talking edge if you're talking offensive tackle those are those are tough positions to find late in the third round um you know if you can find some wide receivers you can find some safeties you can find you know um interior offensive linemen but if the if that one offensive tackle starts to slip into the 80s i think you got to move up and i think the fortnite missed an opportunity last year to move up uh from those comp pick areas so uh, we'll see if they do it, but I absolutely think that they're that they it would behoove them to move up in this draft if if the right players fall. You don't just trade up for the sake of trading up. Of course, fantastic stuff. Thanks everybody for getting involved with the live episode today. And if you've never been on a live with us and you're just listening to the audio version of the pod, come check us out on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe up. Make sure you subscribe up to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show as well. Thanks for making us your first listen every day here on Locked On Forty Niners.